0: G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. This week's sermon podcast is called Where's the Joy in Prayer? And it's part of a Lent series called Empty filled Discovering the Power and Meaning of Lent. We hope you enjoy the sermon.
1: The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, Chapter 11, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship yet because your shameless audacity he will surely get up the door will be open. Which of your which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion. If you then through your own if you then through Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Jesus Jesus Christ.
0: So would you pray for me as I pray for you? Loving Lord, as we gather around your word today, we pray that you would help us to understand it. And to apply it to our lives. We thank you for the gift of prayer. And for the joy found therein. In Jesus name. Amen. So a British evangelist by the name of J. John. Tells a story of a kitten. Who got stuck up a tree one day. And the family did all they could do. To try and coax the kitten down from the tree. But to no avail. Thankfully. The father, who was a pastor, had a bright idea, because pastors always have great ideas, don't they? <laughs> he decided what he would do is he would tie a piece of rope onto the tree and then tie the other end to his car. <laughs> now, at first the idea seemed to be working. He tied the two ends and slowly he edged the tree and the car forward, and slowly the cat came down to earth. But then all of a sudden, snap! <laughs> the rope snapped, the kitten went flying, and the whole family went, Boo! <laughs> and that's the end of the story. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not. <laughs> a few days later, the pastor was visiting one of the families in his congregation. And as the mother opened the door, what do they see? The cat. And he couldn't say, oh, that's my cat, (laughs) you cat thief. He couldn't say, what is going on? So instead he said, that's a lovely cat. Where did you get that cat? The mother replied, oh, pastor, it's an amazing story. Little Johnny has been asking for a cat. He's been pestering me over and over again for a cat. And I've been saying, no, 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 we can't have a cat. We can't have an animal in the house. But finally, after all the abashing, I said to Johnny, okay, you can pray for a cat. You can ask God for a cat. And so he went out into the yard, got on his knees, prayed for a cat, and would you believe it, a cat dropped in to his lap. <laughs> when we pray, coincidences happen. I'm not just telling you this story because I don't like cats. I'm telling you this story because prayer is powerful, but so often it's misunderstood. So today we're going to look at, where's the joy in prayer? The first reason for joy we find in the scriptures which were read this morning is that we find joy in priming our hearts with gratitude. In Luke 11, which Ken just read, the disciples ask Jesus about prayer. Now, at this point in Luke, the disciples have been together for a very long time. So you'd think they'd have prayer down pat. But what we see is their felt need. John had obviously taught his disciples how to pray. And so the disciples see Jesus coming back from a time of prayer and they want what he has. And so they say, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus begins with that famous prayer that we just sang just now, the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Like with fasting last week, Jesus says not if you pray, but when you pray. There's an assumption that praying is as natural as breathing. Praying is a part of life. In 2018, the National Church Life Survey did a study of prayer and they found that 60% of Aussies admit to praying at least sometime in their life, at least occasionally. And you just need to go to the racetrack or to the lotto ticket seller to see an unbeliever pray. <laughs> I'm yet to meet anyone who has never tried praying. But Jesus knows that not all prayer results in joy. Jesus' prayer is more than hollow words or wishful thinking, and that's why he starts his prayer with adoration. Hallowed be your name. So often my prayers begin with, God, I'd really like, or God, please give me, or even worse, God, it's about time you... (laughs) These petition prayers are fine and God wants us to come before him for stuff for anything but so often when we come to him our hearts are not in the right place I love mowing the lawn but before I start mowing the lawn I can't just I can't just whack on the throttle and go for it I need to prime the engine I need to get some petrol flowing through the engine before it will start If I don't, the mower simply won't start, or I'll do damage to the mower. It's the same with prayer if I do it from the wrong place. Jesus encourages us to pray to our Abba, our Daddy in heaven, and to hallow or to worship God's name. Calling God Daddy reminds us that God loves us like a good father should. And reminding our hearts that his address is in heaven puts us in our place, worshipping god 's name pumps a bit of gratitude into our hearts and reminds us that every good thing comes ultimately from God. Gratitude has been proven to help us in our relationships it improves our mental and physical health it improves and helps us to feel empathy, sleep better, and become more resilient. But above all, it helps us to realize why we need to pray and helps us to grow in relationship with God. If you're struggling in your prayer life, why not start by thanking God for one thing each day? If you wake up in the morning tomorrow morning and wake up and think, oh my goodness, I have nothing to thank God for, just thank God that you don't have to listen to David preaching this morning. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> There's a prayer point for you. The next aspect of joy that we discover in prayer is in reaching out to the Father. Notice how the next line says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, this corresponds directly with the story that Jesus, and the example that Jesus gives in verse 5. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go out to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Now, this imaginary friend is obviously reluctant to play midnight supermarket because of your poor planning. But Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus is encouraging shameless audacity in prayer. This is what Christian prayer is all about. In many religions and philosophies, Prayer is about a casual contract. It's a little bit like a vending machine. If I put in the time and put in the efforts and I chant, pray, meditate, then all I need to do is wait for a result. The gods or the universe may just hear me, be impressed or flattered by my prayers and give me what I want. Of course, because it's a vending machine, sometimes the chips get stuck, you know how... Uh, chips get stuck or perhaps the vetting machine isn't on that day but you're going to go back to prayer because sometimes you get what you want this is nothing like what jesus is talking about here the example with the friend at midnight and the midnight snack is a contrast to our god you see in ancient cultures Bad hospitality brought shame on you and on your whole village. You were meant to keep enough food for guests who would travel at midnight to get out of the heat of the day. Here, a poor friend who sleeps in the same bed as their children because they can't afford more beds, reluctantly wakes up the whole house and gives their last loaves of bread to the prayer not because they deserve it, not because they've done enough to earn this bread, but because they are desperate, because of their shameless audacity. Jesus is saying, if a friend like that can help a guy out, surely the God of the universe, who has all power and authority, who loves you like a father, will give you what you truly need notice jesus doesn't say give this give us this day our daily cake or lord won't you buy me a mercedes-benz thank you linda for that um little quip Uh, we were talking about it in our small group on thursday morning daily bread is code for our daily needs when we've primed our hearts with gratitude, we'll be able to reach out with the audacity of prayer. If regular people can do favours for their neighbours, why wouldn't our God, who loves us like a father, be prepared to care for us? We should be ready to shamelessly come to God in prayer because he wants us to reach out to him. This leads us to the hardest part about this prayer, but probably the most joy-filled aspect of prayer, aligning our spirit with the Holy Spirit. A couple of years ago, I was teaching RI in a school, and because you need to be careful about the language that you use in schools, I was talking about how we need to go God's way and stop going our own way, which often leads to sin. A very bright and sincere girl shot up her hand and said, Mr. Brown, what if I want to go my way and God's way? And then it hit me. That's what God wants for us all. He doesn't want us to keep praying, thy kingdom come through gritted teeth. He wants what's best for us, and he wants us to want that too. This is where Jesus' words in verse 4 are so powerful. He says, Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. It's an audacious request for forgiveness, throwing ourselves on God's mercy, knowing we deserve God's wrath and judgment for our sins. At the same time, in praying this prayer, we snooker ourselves. If I'm going to ask for forgiveness, I must forgive. If I'm going to ask for help with temptation, I'd better not be doing anything that will drive someone into temptation. I'd better not lead others astray. In short, I'm asking Jesus to take the will. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come into my life and help me become the person God wants me to be. You see, so often prayer is wielded as a tool to ask a higher power to aid and abet our sinful nature. Praying for a million dollars won't make me happy. Praying that God would wipe that person out of my life won't get rid of my problems praying that God would fix my life so that I can forget about Jesus will create more problems than it solves. This is why so often God says, no, that's bad for you and outside of my plans. Sometimes God will say, wait, my little boy Jude, he loves um, to, to play with the steering wheel and pretend to drive and, and he figured out that keys go in ignitions and start cars. And so when I tell him, no, you can't drive, I'm not saying never, I'm just saying wait, not yet. Sometimes God does the same for us and tells us to wait until the time is right. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God's not saying, your wish is my command. He's saying, spend time with me and grow with me, and I will shape you. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and one day you'll open the door and find yourself in the kingdom of God in the very throne room of heaven. Again, this is Jesus' point in verse 11 when he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? He's saying that if imperfect earthly fathers can give their children good things, how much more will your perfect heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? This is one prayer that I guarantee you. This is the one prayer that God guarantees he will never say no to and will always say yes. Prayer is the most wonderful honour. John Chrysostom says, prayer is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. And this is why I don't want to overcomplicate prayer. Prayer is simply yarning with Jesus. I really envy the people who got to party with Jesus, to hug him, to go on fishing trips with him. But you and I get to enjoy the same access and intimacy with Jesus as they did. Our problem is that we often leave this gift unopened. Psalm 63, verse 2 says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. This prayer was written uh, by King David. He remembers seeing God, perhaps physically in his heart, or emotionally while he was in the sanctuary, in the tent of meeting, worshipping God. But he wrote this psalm in the desert. He's probably hungry, thirsty, and hot. But instead, he prays Your love, O oh Lord, is better than life. Time spent in prayer is never wasted. A.W. Tozer wrote this We need never shout across the spaces to an absent God, He is nearer than our own soul. Closer than our most secret thoughts. If David could pray with such intimacy, never having heard about Jesus, we have even more reason to pray. So, to finish, here are just three tips that have helped me in my prayer life. The first thing is to rest, tiredness and fatigue is such a huge prayer blocker. If you are too busy and too tired to pray, you're too tired and too busy, full stop. Something has to go in your life. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus getting crowded. We see Jesus getting exasperated by bullies. We see Jesus getting frustrated with his disciples, but he always makes time for prayer. Fatigue is this huge hurdle in prayer. And if you can't see a way out of your tiredness and busyness, pray for rest. And when God gives you rest, you'll be ready to pray. The second thing is keep a record of all answered prayers. This has really helped me over the last uh, year or so. Um, every, every Monday or Tuesday, beginning of the week, I sit down and say send a prayer email to some old trusted friends who I know will pray for me. In it, I will write a whole bunch of prayer points uh, for Dolby and for our church and for our ministry. And at first, it felt really embarrassing. At first, it felt weird to ask people to pray for me. But slowly, I saw God answering those prayers. And so what I started doing is at the end, at the beginning of each prayer email, I would write the ways I've seen God answer the prayers that I'd ask people to pray in former emails and all of a sudden i had a list of ways that god had answered prayers so now i start this list and i have this physical list of answered prayers and it's amazing how quickly i forget how god has answered my prayers in the past and how helpful it is to have a reminder so rest, keep a record of prayers, and lastly, see the need. Our world desperately needs prayer. A friend recently shared a list that, of things that are prayed for in the New Testament, and it's not even a full list. Oh, you can't see that very well, but in the New Testament, it encourages us to pray for our persecutors, it's pray for escape from judgment, from hell, Uh, for boldness, for miracles, for open doors for the gospel and for wisdom. God is building a kingdom among us, and to pray is to do battle with evil and participate with God in his redemptive work. We are to pray without ceasing, praying that God's kingdom would come and God's will would be done friend, don't switch on the news and see the violence, the sickness and the sin of our world without responding to it in prayer. So often I I see bad news and I go, oh, if only there was something I can do. If only there was something I could do. And God's like, I've given you prayer. Why don't you pray? And as you pray, you'll avoid being overcome by evil. And you'll see God overcome evil with good. So friends, as we travel through Lent, let's spur one another on in prayer. Let's prime our hearts with gratitude. Let's reach out to the Father in prayer. Let's align our spirits with the Holy Spirit. And let's keep yarning with Jesus until the day we see him face to face.